Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to the following message provided by Renew Church. We pray that this message will be a blessing and encouragement for you. For more information about our church, please visit www.renew.org. How's everybody doing? Good. Man, one of these days, it's going to take me months, but I'm going to do that, and you're going to be like, Woo! I'm lying in church. How's everybody doing? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was good. That was good. I loved it, Eileen. All of you guys, you did a fantastic job. Did I leave my Bible? Good night. What am I doing? All right, let me come right back. Grab my Bible. It's so good to be with you. I grabbed my glasses and not my Bible. How many of you knew I had glasses? Anybody know I had glasses besides my daughter? Yeah, my daughters. So I have glasses, um, but I don't wear them very much. Anybody know, know what I'm talking about? It's like I have glasses. I just don't wear them. So I wear them on Mondays. Monday is Sermon Work Monday. It's when I really dig deep into preparing for the coming Sunday service sermon and message. And, and so Monday is where I put my glasses on. The rest of the week, I can like get by. I can read this like nine font without any problem without glasses. But when I put glasses on, it's like my eyes relax. You guys know what I'm talking about? Those of you with glasses, you know what I'm talking about. You can read it, but you kind of have to kind of go like this a little bit. Or if you're really bad, you got to go like this or got to go like this. But with glasses on, your eyes relax. And you're able to not like have to focus in and think about and worry about like what did that word say or why are those words looking like they're running together? Well, today we're talking about that. Today we're going to be talking about a message I've entitled Faith Goggles and putting on our faith goggles because um, sometimes we're looking at things and we're looking at things through the wrong uh, lenses. Let me tell you, I don't preach well in glasses. These are really, really foggy and like they got smudges on them. And I really don't, they don't help me when I'm preaching anyway, really. They, they only help me for when I'm reading and when I'm reading a lot. So um, anyhow, I'm glad that you're here. Uh, as I mentioned before, my name is Pastor Trevor. If you're a visitor today, there's a connect card on your chair um, next to the trunk or treat card. We hope that you'll come to trunk or treat. If you're a visitor, fill out the connect card, drop it in a box or in a bucket on your way out, all right? We want to get to know you. So this is week four of My Monsters, and, and the theme of the message series is, is that our lives are always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your lives are always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So if you think something, that's where you're going. You're thinking about this, it's going to lead you in that direction. Good or bad, it's going to take you uh, where you're thinking. Those of, uh, you, are, you are who you are as a result of your strongest so over the last month, we've been talking about this and talking about topics like um, identifying the lie and, and that lie that kind of like tries to take place in the center of who we are and, and it's in the stronghold and you've got to demolish the stronghold and replace it with the truth. What's the truth? It's the truth of God's word. We've got to take the lies out of our life. The enemy, that, that he's, a, he's a deceiver, he's a lie conceiver, he's the father of lies. You've got to break down those lies and you've got to replace them with the truth. We talked about... Um, how a lone ranger is a dead ranger. We've got to avoid the monster of isolation and, and find community and family. And so many of you are doing that in our small group ministry and serving ministry in so many different ways. You guys are, are connecting and going to growth track and getting connected to the life of our church. Last week we talked about ruts. Ruts aren't monsters. Ruts are, what's, ruts are what get us to the monster. Ruts are what lead us back into that path of the monster. And you've got to remove the ruts and allow God to renew your mind. And sometimes those ruts are, are, are ongoing, but you've got to stop letting those ruts lead you in a wrong path. And you have to write it and think it and confess it 
until you believe it. And sometimes that's not just one time. It's over and over and over. Write it and think it and confess it until you believe it. Here's the key verse for the series. It's Philippians chapter 4. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I'm hoping and I'm praying that God would allow this to be where you are and this, these, these verses would, would be something that not only just you hear me say over and over, but you commit them to memory so that you start thinking about these things and putting them into practice. You know, I, I uh, talked to you about some of my monsters, the fear of failure and um, self-doubt, you know, my own self-esteem and my low self-esteem. And here's another one of the, the monsters that I battled in the past. Um, and I'll just show you what it is. You guys ready? Ah, <laughs> uh, worry. Worry. Anybody deal with the monster of worry? Anybody face that, whether it be worrying about your kids or your health or safety, what's going on in our world today, or finances or your job? Worry is a real thing. It's a monster in our lives, and it has so like such an attack on our lives. I want to I want to start with this and I know I've read this before but really like Paul is 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 you know a pro at talking about this. And so Philippians 4 and I know I, I quoted this before but the very verses before our key verse is Philippians 4 4 to 7 which says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. In other words, have a spirit a heart of thanksgiving. Let your gentleness be evident to all. In other words, here's here's the way in which you're going to respond to things. Be gentle. The Lord is near. That's important. Remember that. God is around us. God is with us. Even in the bad moments, God is near. Do not be anxious about anything. You can, you can substitute the word anxious for, uh, you know, full of worry or, or, or carrying that kind, of, that kind of emotion. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. In other words, pray. Seek God. Praise God for the good. Pray for the, neg- the things that are going on. And then it says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. You know how many times I've went back to that word and just said, God, you're going to need to transcend your peace because I don't understand. Like, I don't get it. It's really, really bad. I need your peace to transcend. And he has heard and he has answered my prayer. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Today we're going to focus in on, on uh, worrisome, and we're going to talk about, though, um, not just the monster itself, not just the, 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 the idea or the, the struggle with worry, but we're going to talk about how to deal with all of our mind monsters. This series has not just about, been about any one issue that we deal with, but it's been about how to respond to the issues that we deal with, that we face. So... First thing that you're doing if you're taking notes and you have your worship guide, the first thing that that you have to do is you have to reframe your perspective. You have to reframe your perspective because a lie believed will affect your life as if it were true. A lie believed, in other words, somebody says something about you and you believe it, it will affect you as if it were true. You know, uh, you're a loser. Growing up as a kid, if someone ever told you you were a loser, you were not good enough, it's a lie, but it will affect you as if it were true, even when it's not. 
we have this distorted perspective, and psychologists have a name for it. It's actually, um, if you're, again, taking notes, you should uh, fill this in. It's called a cognitive bias. A cognitive bias. So have you ever had one of those moments where you thought everybody was talking about you? And um, you, you thought that, like, you walk into a room and they thought negative about you, and you were just very self-conscious about what was going on around you. Everybody's looking at you, laughing at you. You know why that is? It's either because you were really funny looking, you had some food in your teeth, or maybe your, 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 your pants were unzipped, or uh, they heard a funny story about you. Any of those things could have been the case, but more often than not, it's not the case. It was none of those things. Instead, you just had a cognitive bias. You were self-conscious. You went into the room thinking you had something in your teeth or a booger in your nose or your pants unzipped. You, you went into the setting thinking that people were laughing about you or talking about something that happened in your life. And it wasn't true, but it was a lie believed that affected you the same as if it were true. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? So we have to, to win the battle in our brain, the war in our mind, we have to reframe our perspective. And that's what I want to talk to you today about. Let me give you an example, a couple of examples actually. Two people, they get the same feedback in the same way from the same employer. Two, two employees, the, the boss comes in and tells them, hey, um, this is pretty good, but you need to get better at this. And please be on time. And, and he says it to this employee, and he says the exact same thing to this employee. One of them receives it as helpful and constructive and, and says, thank you, this will help me to do better as I want to do better, as I want to improve in my job. And the other is completely offended. Who does this guy think he is? Like, why is he complaining? Does he know how much I do for this company? Does he know what I go through every single day just to be here when I do get here? He doesn't know how much I work, how important I am to this company, how much money I make for this company. Man, I'm going to give him something to criticize. You see the difference? One of them is like, wow, thank you so much. I'll do better. And the other is like, ah! This is terrible. You're, you're, you're uh, you know, you don't even know. Same, same criticism, different person. It's called a cognitive bias. Or two people, they walk into church. This church, this service, right here, right now. Two people in this room, right now. And one of them walk into the room and they're like, oh, not that song. Oh, what's going on with this? Ah. Oh. It's too loud. Ah, I can't hear this thing. Oh, man, this kid like almost tripped me on the way in the parking lot. And the other person walks in and it's like, man, I cannot wait to be in worship this morning. Oh, excuse me. Sorry, you're okay. We'll pass right through. Oh, I love that song. I love that song. This, this music's going to be amazing. Pastor Trevor's preaching. Okay, good. I can handle that. It's not the greatest, but I can handle that, you know. It's your attitude. Same same circumstance, same situation. Cognitive bias, different response. How do you respond? How do you frame things? What do you see? It's uh, not the facts, because the facts were the same. It's the filter. It's not the facts. The facts were the same. Musically or, you know, sermon or service or experience. It's the filter and guess who the filter is? 
You're the filter. You're the filter. The facts were not different. It's you. Cognitive bias. So what do we do? When we want to reframe our perspective, a few things that we want to do, uh, and this is from the book, Winning the War in Your Mind by Pastor Craig Rochelle, uh, to reframe your perspective, first of all, stay calm. Stay calm. And trust me when I tell you, and the production team can tell you, I'm preaching to myself. If you saw the text messages between me and them in the first service about this was not up or that's not there or why is that going on or what happened, I need to stay calm because sometimes this guy can get a little bit worried. The mind monster of worry about the simplest and stupidest of details can kind of creep in in my life. Stay calm because if you react, you'll probably react the way that you've always reacted. The second thing is, is to identify the situation. What exactly is happening? Okay, that guy just griped at me. Maybe he's having a bad day. Maybe I do need to do something a little bit different. Maybe there's, you know, for every, uh, I, I'm probably going to use this saying wrong, but for every pound of criticism, there's an ounce of truth. You ever heard that before? Like, it, there, there's, maybe there's a piece of this that I could receive and do something with. What is happening? Identify the situation. Recognize your reaction. Recognize how you react. Instead of getting upset about it, Realize that there, is a pro there probably is a solution to the problem and control how I perceive it. Like, just like, okay, I see that this isn't going well, but I'm not going to react the way that I have the last 1,000 times that this thing has come up. Instead, the fourth one is, is to find the best solution. And let me tell you, the best solution never involves freaking out. It never involves freaking out. Never has there been a, a professional... Uh, that said, hey, next time that happens, what you ought to do is just go into a rage, you know, start breaking stuff. No, that is not the solution to what you're going through, what you're facing. I know you're amped up. I know you're fired up. I know it's got you upset. But listen, there's a better solution, and you've got to find it. The Apostle Paul was amazing at reframing his perspective. And in, in, I touched on it last week, and, and that is our key verses for the series, Philippians 4, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy, think on these things. He's saying, get your mind right, think about these things. But the Apostle Paul had every right in that verse to say, think about all the miserable things that are happening to you. Like, my life is a mess. Everything's messed up. I've decided prayer doesn't work. God's not even answering prayer. I'm not going back to church again. I'm not going to lead the church anymore. Like, I'll, I'll go when, things, when, when I get things figured out. Like, when I get my life right, then I'll go back to, to God and church. Sound familiar? Sound like something that sometimes we've said? The Apostle Paul could have easily said that. But here's what he said in Philippians 1. Brothers and sisters, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Paul, the apostle, he was saying, I had a plan, but God had a better plan. You know, this is a different way that, than, God, than Paul had planned to, uh, to advance the gospel than what he was thinking. Like, 
He was thinking he was going to go on a missionary journey. He was thinking he was going to go tell all of these different regions and these different cities about what Jesus Christ had done in his life, tell his testimony, start a church, and then move on and just plant these churches. But instead, God had a different plan. It didn't include a Roman prison. It, in, it included a, a, a house prison and, and him being locked up. And he said, this has worked out. And it actually served to advance the gospel. Think about it for just a minute. Had he had, um, you know, the opportunity to do the mission tours and all of the, the, the platforms and the stages, had he even had, like, internet and television, social media, had he even had all of that stuff, would he have been able to proclaim as strongly as he has with this from, from that prison? Literally, like, he wrote a, a, a few verses and a few chapters and a few books in, that, that is God's word that has spoken to millions, billions of people over thousands of years. Like, it's the number one best-selling book. You know, your, your, your favorite author has nothing on this book. How did he do that? How did that happen? It's because he said, okay, God... If this is my plan, if this is what I'm going to do, if this is how you're going to advance the gospel, not just for this season, not just, you know, for this region, but for the ends of the earth. I don't even know about the United States of America 1,700 years later. And yet we're here today, and we're reading it today. You see the difference? You see the cognitive bias? You see the way in which he's recognizing that God had a greater plan, and God was doing something Every time he had a new soldier that came and the shift changed and somebody else was guarding him, he looked at it as, as influence. He was influencing a Roman prisoner and that Roman prisoner, I mean that Roman guard, and that Roman guard was going to hear the gospel, the good news. The, the guard thought that Paul was in prison. Prison, I mean, Paul knew well, he's not a, he's not a prison. That guy's in prison. He's going to hear the good news of Jesus. I'm going to make him sit here and hear what's happened. And then they have the ears of so many other people of influence around them. And that is how the gospel was spread. The impact that he had goes so far beyond what he could have done, even with internet and uh, other media platforms that we have today. But it's because Paul saw what God was doing. He had what I'm calling in this, seri this message and in this, the title of this message, he's, he had what, what I'm calling faith goggles. He saw things differently because of the way in which God was working in spite of his circumstances. The other thing I want you to get when it comes to your faith goggles, I, I want you to thank God for what he didn't do. I want you to thank God for what he didn't do. In, in preparation for the sermon and reading part of Pastor Craig's book, I did an exercise where I had to stop and I had to thank God for the things that he didn't do, the prayers that he didn't answer. And so I was just writing some of those out over the course of um, you know, the last 12 or 14 years of my life and looking back and saying, God, like looking back, I'm, I'm here because there was a market crash in 2008. See, I own these rental properties, and, and uh, I own four rental properties that, that gave us roots to the point where even if we wanted to move away because of the market crash and because we didn't have a good income, my, my, my job, my company 
wasn't paying the bills anymore. So I needed to move, but I couldn't move without selling my house, and I couldn't sell my house because every single one of my houses, these four rental properties, were upside down. I owed twice as much as what they were worth. So I could move, but I would foreclose on them. That was my choice, but I had to stay and deal with it. And God used that. Thank God that the market crashed. Thank God that he did what he did some 13 years ago. And because of that, and for many other reasons, God didn't answer prayers about other parts of the state or other parts of the country over the course of time where churches or pastors would call and say, hey, would you be interested in leading a church in this part of the country or this part of the state? And God said no. And I thank God for what he didn't do. I think about the church planters that we thought were going to plant Renew Church in West Kendall. I think back to 2016 when we had our very first vision meeting. And, and we talked about, God, what are you going to do in this? And, and we started looking for the planters. And we found the perfect planters, like Miami Bourne and, and, and uh, ordained elders. And they'd experienced church planting. They've done it. They're multicultural. They know everything about what it takes to plant a church and the challenges that come with planting a church. They were the perfect couple for it. It was a fit all the way around. Bible college trained everything that you needed. They were it. Over the course of a year, they were trying to, to make a transition from where they were to, to get back to Miami to where many of their family was. And we had the opportunity. We were going to fund them. We were going to support them. We were going to make the way for them. But you know, over the course, course of the year, as they were trying to make the transitions and trying to figure out if this was the, the church and if they were going to plant the church, over the course of that time, several times in the conversations, he would say something like this, Pastor, are you sure you're not the planter? Why don't you plant this church? And I said, no, because I'm the mother church pastor. Like, we're, we're funding you. We're going to send you. We're going to raise the money and send a team, and we're going to help you. We're going to be a, a, a church that plants a church. And I would always brush him off until the very last time in December of 2017, sitting in my kitchen there across the table, and we knew that it was going the wrong direction. We knew that it wasn't happening. And he says to me again, I don't think we're the planter. I don't think we're supposed to plant Renew Church in West Kendall, pastor. And then he says to me as I'm down and discouraged, and I'm thinking, God, I put all this work into it from 2016 to the end of 2017. God, we've done all this. We've prayed. We've fasted. We, we had a 4,000 meal, like, four, was it 4,800 or 4,000? 4, 4,000 meal prayer and fasting campaign where a, a group of people had prayed and fasted uh, thousands of meals for this. And I'm like, God, what are you doing? I didn't have my fake goggles on. And that man, again, in my kitchen, as I stood across the the, the I could see where I'm sitting, and he's standing across the bar, I guess because he didn't want me to punch him, you know, for telling him that. Uh, are you sure you're not the planter? That's what he said. I thank God for what he didn't do when he didn't bring Eric Sanchez to Renew Church in, uh, in West Kendall. God knows exactly what he's doing. Amen. Another uh, example might be something that you're a little bit familiar with, which is um, it happened in 2020. Um, it's a little thing called the coronavirus. Anybody familiar with the coronavirus? And I don't make light of it. Obviously, I, I, uh, I've lost loved ones. My own father passed away from COVID-19. Um, but 
we got kicked out of our, our home, Norma Butler Bassard Elementary, over on 157th Ave. And I, I remember like watching the news and getting the emails and thinking to myself, not us, not us. Like somehow God like make uh, Superintendent Carvalho say, every school's closed except for Norma Butler Bassard. Like do a miracle, God. <laughs> ah, how's that going to happen? Thank God for what he didn't do. Amen. Like COVID-19 was miserable. COVID-19 was, was terrible. But in spite of that, God opened some doors to meet a pastor and a church family that were struggling and, and they had some renovations that were needed and they didn't have the funds to make it happen and, and their air conditionings that were, were un, inoperable and, and all the things, over $100,000 in renovations and they came into this partnership agreement with us that we're able to call this our home. Thank God for what he didn't do. Story after story Thing after thing, I mean, I, like I have one about we, we were going to try to buy a house on Kendall, and they said no. We were Actually, we were going to rent it first, and we couldn't qualify to rent it. Even though we had enough money from the sale of our house to pay off the, the, the whole year lease, they said we didn't qualify because I was on a church planter's salary, so it didn't matter if I could pay the whole year. They wanted to know what I would do in the next year. I had enough, but regardless, they turned me down only to get a house that's one mile, one minute away from here, and I had no idea that this would be our home. Isn't that crazy? I'm telling you this to say thank God for what he didn't do. Recognize that sometimes when God doesn't answer your prayer the way you want, you need to put some faith goggles on. Amen? There you go. Thank you. Consider what you're looking for. Is everything always an attack on you? Is someone always out to get you? Or do you presume that generally good things are happening and if something bad does happen, it's the exception and not the norm? It's what I call the difference between two birds, two of God's creation. Two, two of God's creation, two of these birds, both seeking two very different things and they're finding exactly what they're looking for and you probably need to determine which one of these birds you are. What are you talking about, Trevor? Okay, so here's the bird. The first bird is a vulture. You know what a vulture is constantly looking for? It's, it's swirling or twir what, what is it? twirling. I don't know what it's doing. It's, what is it? You guys don't know it either. I, don't, I can't even hear you. It's like circling. It's circling in the air, and it's, it's, it's got its eyes, a vulture eye, on a dead thing down on the ground below. Dead or almost dead. And if it's almost dead, it'll put it out of its misery. But normally it's dead and it loves the taste of rancid, nasty meat. Vultures, they always find what they're looking for. And then there's the hummingbird. And the hummingbird is, knows what it's looking for and it always finds what it's looking for. But it's very different than a vulture. You know what it's finding? Life-giving nectar. So I need to ask you the question, what are you looking for? What kind of glasses do you have on? Are you a vulture looking for dead stuff and how bad everything always is? Or do you have your faith goggles on and you are saying, you know what, I'm more like a hummingbird and I'm looking for the life-giving stuff and I'm believing that God is going to do something in my life. I hope and I pray that you're a hummingbird and not a vulture.
As I told you in the beginning of the message, one of my, my biggest monsters is worry. And worry about everything. My, my family, our church, uh, each and every single one of you. But I also worry about the small stuff. Like picking the wrong line in the grocery store and having to wait an extra 20 seconds. Or, uh, overpaying for my meal at Subway because they had a special that I didn't realize was there. Or, or uh, if, if someone texts me how quickly I can respond. Or, or if uh, my wife puts the toilet paper roll on and she does it under and then I can't like get the toilet paper. It's the most obnoxious thing ever. <laughs> I worry about stuff. I'm preaching to myself. There should be a mirror in the back wall. This is what, you know, we said Paul was a pro, but if Paul was a pro, Jesus was the goat. He was the greatest of all time. And this is what it says in Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of its splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and is tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Will you stand with me? This morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some declarations over you. And, and if, if you would, if you're so willing, I'm going to ask you to receive these. How do you receive something? Put your hands out. Say, okay, I, I want it. If it was $1,000, your hands would be like that. Pastor Ricardo would have been like, <laughs> Just kidding, my brother. I love you. I don't, I don't get to see as much as I want to, so i got to pick on you when you're here. But I want to make some declarations over you, and I want your hands to be out. If you, if you so feel comfortable, if you don't, it's okay. You don't have to. Some of y'all are already like this. Some of y'all are like this. Praise be to God. However you want to do it, but let me make these declarations. If you're in Christ, you're strong and mighty. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is living inside of you, and you are a weapon of righteousness in a world of darkness. You are not your past. You are not what you did. You are who God says you are. And he says you're forgiven. He says you're redeemed. He says you're free. You're not a hostage to your unhealthy thoughts. The weapons you fight with are not the weapons of this world. They have the power to demolish strongholds. You have the mind of Christ directing your thoughts. You have the word of God directing your steps. Worry is not your master. You trust in God. His peace guards your heart, your mind, and your soul. In Christ, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. The Lord is your helper. You will not be afraid. You are not a slave to your habits. You are not a prisoner to your past. 
You have been rescued from the power of darkness into, into the kingdom of God's light. God will bless you abundantly in all things, at all times. You have everything you need to do everything he has called you to do. This is the truth, and the truth will set you free. Nothing will separate you from the love of God in Christ. Not death, not demons, not the present, not the past. No power on earth can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. You have faith goggles. You see with a new perspective. You know that God is working for you. And you receive that today. Why does this matter? Because most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. Battle rages. But let me remind you, God wins the war. Will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we just come before you. We make this declaration our own. We make it personal. And for the person that walked in the room today, expecting anything less, God help them. Do a work in them. As we sing and as we contemplate our own life, where we are, God, I pray that you would um, just move every other distraction out of the way to hear your voice, to change our perspective to focus on you. As our worship team prepares to lead us in a closing song, I'll, I'll come back up and I'll give you a, a final uh, you know, response and an opportunity for you to, um, to pray and make a decision. But maybe your decision here and now is, is that this could be an altar of prayer for you. And this could be a place where you could just come forward and, and just say, God, I'm, I'm giving myself, my life, as a sacrifice. I'm giving you me. And as you come forward, you're saying, God, just take me. Take all of me, every piece, every part. We won't have any formal prayer with anyone, uh, but, but maybe someone would come up, a pastor or a prayer minister that would come behind you and just lay their hand on you and pray for you. But if that's you today and you want prayer, if you want to make that declaration and you want to stand on, uh, up front here at this altar of prayer, just make your way as we sing. sin we 
if today you would say, and, and uh, we're going to bring the house lights up just a little bit so I can see and acknowledge this. Um, if today you're, you're saying, Pastor, I, I got to close the door on worry, this uh, fear of, of, you know, what's going to happen today, what's going to happen tomorrow, the things that are going on in our world today. If that's you this morning and you're closing the door on worry, would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, that's me today. I'm making that decision. I'm making that decision. I'm lifting my hands because I'm making that decision. Praise God all over the room. Let me just pray with you. Heavenly Father, we just, uh, we give it to you. God, there's lots to be worried for, God. There's, you know, our kids, our health, our family, our future, our finances. It, it's legit. It's real. But, God, I thank you that as Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, God, you care about the birds. You care about the flowers. How much more do you care about me? And these, your people. God, remind them. God, help us to put on faith goggles. Help us to be able to see with new eyes. God, give us your vision for what it is that you're doing so that we can just, man, believe you for the, for the great things that you're going to do. In spite of the darkness, in spite of what the enemy throws at us, God, we, we will not let the enemy have control. He will not have dominion of our life. We remove it. We demolish the lie. We replace it with the truth. God, we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus thank you, oh God, for the things you're doing. God, when we worry, God, help us to, to uh, be able to stop and change our, our, our perspective and respond in a different way. Help each and every single one of these people that have making this declaration today. Touch them, I pray, in Jesus' name. And keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just one more moment. And As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, this is just this moment between you and the Lord. And it might be for, for one person in the room. I don't know, but if it is, praise be to God for that. But it's for the person in the room that hasn't started this journey with the Lord. They haven't begun their relationship with God. And I didn't say they, they, they haven't started going to church because that's not where it, it starts. I didn't say, oh, they, they haven't started praying, you know, the Lord's Prayer because that's not where it starts. I didn't say it's because they didn't open the Bible 15 minutes every day. That's not where it starts. It starts in a relationship with Jesus. It starts by humbly coming before Jesus and asking him to forgive you of your sin and to be your Lord and Savior. It's this, this big, sometimes kind of theological word we use called repentance. But all repentance is is, is a turning. Turning from our way, our life, our decisions, and it's turning to Jesus and saying, Jesus, your way, your decisions, your life. And if this is the first time for you and you're making that decision, it's just a prayer of faith that starts in that relationship. Or maybe it's a decision that you made many years ago and today you just know that you need to make a recommitment to Jesus. And if that's the case, because there's some things in your life that you need to surrender to him and let him be Lord over. If that's you today, I'm not going to bring you to the front or anything, but I just want to know so that I can, can pray for you. Would you just lift your hand right where you're at if that's you today? I see your hand over here on my left. Praise be to God. See your hand over here on the right. Praise be to God. Anybody else? Let's pray this prayer. Body of Christ, believers, community of faith that, that already have this declaration in your heart. I'm going to ask you to repeat it 
boldly, even with me and with these others that, that are making this declaration. Would you just pray this prayer after me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I know that I've sinned, that I've made mistakes, and I ask you now to forgive me, to come into my life, to make me new. Today, I declare you as my Lord and Savior, and I choose to live for you. It's in Jesus' name we all pray together. Amen. Come on, let's give God praise for what he's doing. Praise God. If you made a, a, a first-time decision, a, uh, an usher probably, while your heads were bowed, you didn't know it, but somebody probably handed uh, you a Bible, and that Bible is a, uh, an opportunity for you to begin your journey. Um, we'd encourage you to drop by the Next Steps tent. There'll be somebody there that wants to meet with you, talk to you about, and even dedicate that Bible to you, um, uh, you know, today and making this journey start here and now. It's got an amazing, it's a, it's a, a New Believer's New Testament, and so it has, like, where to go, what to start with in your walk with God. So you don't start in Matthew chapter 1 or Genesis chapter 1. You start on page A11 in this Bible, and this, this is just answering some questions about who God is and what is sin and, and, and what has God done for me. So we want to help you. We want to encourage you. We want to walk with you. We don't just want you to, to say yes and then next week have to say yes again and next week say yes again. We want to help you go from here to where God is calling you to be. Amen? Mikey, come on up, and uh, thank you so much for being here, for being a part of Renew Church. Come on, Mikey. Well, good morning again. You guys may be seated. What's going on? My name is Pastor Mikey, and man, who's got their faith goggles on this morning? Nobody. Man, just wasted our times this morning. Dang. Just joking, just joking, man. What a great message, man. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, man, this in my hand is Connect Card. This is your first time here at Renew Church, man. I'd encourage you to fill this thing out. Just helps us to, to connect with you. And even on the back of it, there's some things that you can communicate with us. So even if this is not your first time at Renew Church and you just have a question about something, you want to talk to a pastor, you want to learn about baptism, join a small group, serve, have a prayer request, anything, the back of this card, man, can allow you to do that, and we take them serious. We read all of the Connect cards we have, and we try to help you guys out in any way that we can. So I just encourage you, man, if there's something you want to communicate to us or ask us or whatever, man, just fill out that Connect card and drop it off in a bucket, and we'll get to that. I have some announcements for you guys. Um, we've got a lot of stuff going on, some exciting stuff going on, and I want to start with letting you guys know about what's going on with our RC Kids ministry. So I don't know if you've noticed, but they've moved out of this room over here, and they now have an entire wing to themselves. Man, that is an answered prayer. Could somebody get excited for that? Like, those are one of the things that we needed, you know, to do renovating on, and, and man, God made a way, and, and it's, it's really, really cool. If you haven't checked it out, if you don't have kids, man, encourage you guys, for those of you who have kids, to go check that thing out, because they're doing an open house next Sunday. 
and it's going to be an opportunity to meet the RC Kids team. There's going to be a costume party for the kids. There's going to be prizes, games, just a bunch of fun stuff. So if you've got kids, man, make your way on back next Sunday. Maybe invite a family who has kids so they can check out the brand new RC Kids wing. Another thing I want to mention is we have a baptism coming up on November the 14th. So if you recently started following Jesus and and you want to take that next step in your faith. You want to do that public display of what you've already done in your heart of just dying to yourself and raising up in Christ. Man, man, let's get baptized. You can go to our website, renew.miami forward slash baptism to read about baptism. There's a registration form there. So if you, if you want to do it and you want to sign up for that, you can do that online. Or just come find a pastor. Come find one of us and just talk to us about baptism. We'd be, we'd be more than happy to let you know about, about what baptism is and and. And if it's, if it's for you. Um, another thing going on is when you get out of the breezeway, you might notice there's a car there. Typically, don't put cars in the breezeway. But we did it today because we want to promote our upcoming Trunk or Treat event, which is on next Sunday, the 31st. It's going to be here at 6.30 p.m. It's going to be an event for the community. The kids are going to have a great time. We're having a Trunk or Treat competition. And there's an incentive to sign up to do a trunk because the winner will receive a one hundred dollar target gift card that's right that is right and so if you sign up today there's candy there for the kids and you can kind of get some ideas of what it is to decorate a trunk you do with a a certain theme and if you sign up today i'll give you a tip on something that gets votes but i'm not going to tell that from stage because you got to go over there to the trunk Another thing, too, is you might notice um, in the carport is we have a table there because we're going to be giving away turkeys and Thanksgiving goods for, for families in need. So if you'd like to donate to that or if you'd like to share the information with a family who would appreciate that, man, check out uh, Pastor Ricardo at the table in the um, overpass. Man, that is pretty much it. If you'd like to give to Renew Church, I just want to let you know there's a few ways to do that. The first way to do that is in person via the envelopes in the seat pocket in front of you. You just drop it off in one of the buckets on your way out. Second way to do that is to do it online by visiting renew.miami forward slash giving. And the third and final way to do that is to do it via text by texting give 786-565-1165. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for um, just the opportunity to, to worship and be encouraged by a message and be challenged even by a message, God. And help us to apply that, God. Help us to see things with your perspective. God, I pray for the offering this morning, God, that um, you use it for your purposes, God, to continue to just spread the gospel, Father, and change lives, God. Bless these people here, Lord, as they worship you in this way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. You're now dismissed.